We're going to begin a series this morning called The Pursuit of Wisdom. It's a 12-week study on the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's one of the books I've never preached through because it's, it's kind of a challenging book to preach through. Uh, the way it's formatted, and we'll talk about that a little bit this morning. <clears throat> when I was uh, living with my parents, my mom had a habit of reading through one chapter of Proverbs every day of the month. You know, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and you've probably heard of doing this before, where you read a chapter corresponding to that particular day. So my mom, for as many years as I can remember, read a chapter of Proverbs every single day. Now, when I was in middle school, high school, um, at some point she decided that that's what I should do as well. <laughs> read a chapter of Proverbs, which I wasn't, you know, I wasn't totally on the proverb train at the time. And then she figured out I wasn't doing it, so she decided to read it aloud to me at breakfast. Uh, and so every morning, my brother or sister and I would come to breakfast, and my mom would start reading a chapter of Proverbs. And she might get halfway through before we were done eating, and we'd walk out on Proverbs. And I know it's rude and hateful and... So, but she figured over all these years, I'd probably hear Proverbs enough uh, in all her reading of them to, to gain some sort of insight into the book of Proverbs. You know, for all we know about the Bible, there are many things the Bible doesn't tell us about life. Because when I was a senior, in high school, junior and senior, I started looking at colleges to go to. And I narrowed my search down, honestly, to uh, Stetson University, Samford University, and Oklahoma Baptist University. I was living in Miami, Florida at the time. So it was, all of them were a long way. But you know what? I couldn't find any Bible verse that told me where to go to college. Not one said, Bart Brookins, go to I couldn't even find a Bible verse that said if I should go to college or not. Um, there, there's so much that we don't know. We need wisdom in life. And there are many things the Bible doesn't explicitly say. And if wisdom is the accumulation of all your life experiences and the things you go through in life, how do you gain enough wisdom to manage life? How do you gain enough insight into what you're supposed to be doing? How many children should I have? How far apart should they be? Should I even have children? Should I take this job? Should I move to this city? So many things. That, that decision to go to Oklahoma Baptist University, I would say, is one of the top five, easily top five, decisions of my life. In that it impacted almost every decision from there on out. It impacted the fact I went to Fort Worth to go to seminary. It impacted the fact I met Kathy at Fort, in Fort Worth, got married, had these wonderful children, most of them. And it, it impacted my life in that I know you. I mean, it set me on a course. And yet, no one, there was nowhere for me to turn to say, should I do this? My parents at the time, as a matter of fact, hey, Olivia, would you give me a Kleenex under there? Um, as a matter of fact, my parents at the time basically said to me, you can go to college wherever you want since you're paying for it. 
And so the decision was totally mine on where I went to college. And so there I chose to go to OBU. Wisdom, we know, is important, but the gaining of it is challenging. How do we come about in wisdom? So today I want to introduce to you the book of Proverbs by looking at some passages from Proverbs chapter 1. And I want to encourage you also over the next 12 weeks, three months, to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. So today's the 23rd. You can jump in today and read Proverbs 23, tomorrow chapter 24, then 25. Obviously, when you get to 31 and the month starts over, you start over with Proverbs 1. But today we're going to start with Proverbs 1. And again, the challenge of preaching through the book of Proverbs is that it has so many different ideas verse to verse. You can't really preach through the book. So what we're going to do is we're going to take topics from the book of Proverbs, like money, sex, um, parenting, being a child, different aspects of the book of Proverbs, the heart, and look at them together. Now, we realize, most of us, that Proverbs was written by Solomon, King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Um, his father was David, king of Israel. That's chapter 1, verse 1. And honestly, I used to think all the Proverbs were ever written by Solomon. Actually, um, there are different authors toward the last six, seven chapters uh, Proverbs. I'm not going to take it apart, but the first nine chapters are really introduction. Starting at chapter 10 are the actual Proverbs. And then after that, you'll get Proverbs from some other different writers as, as well. But for the most part, it was written by Solomon, the, the wisest man who ever lived, for us to have direction. For us to know how to manage life. Well, so let's just jump in. Look at the book of Proverbs, and I'm going to give you some different points on this. The first is this. What is the purpose of these Proverbs? So chapter 1, verse 1, was the intro. Solomon wrote it, and here's what it says of the purpose. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. That's verses 2 through 6. And it starts off by saying gaining wisdom, but how do we gain wisdom? It, it kind of adds to what is included in this package of wisdom. Um, do, you, do you know, no one ever just fell into wisdom? I mean, you can't, did, wisdom takes effort, the gaining of wisdom. It's like um, yesterday I was continuing the battle against my backyard, uh, which is a continual battle. No, I've lived in my house almost 30 years and never has my backyard just looked good. If I leave it by itself, it, it's horrid. It's, it's terrible. It's the same thing with your life. If you don't pursue wisdom, you won't gain wisdom. Wisdom isn't just going to just hit you in the head. 
And that's really one of the things he's saying. We attain wisdom, but we have to have discipline. Now, this is a dirty word these days, discipline. Um, really because we don't like to live a disciplined life. We really would prefer to live an undisciplined life. My mom reading through every proverb, uh, chapter of Proverbs every day, that took discipline to do that every day. Getting up, having a prayer time, reading your Bible, going to church, doing things that will help you understand wisdom and be in the presence of God and God's people, it takes discipline. What's easy is not having discipline. So Solomon starts off by saying we need discipline. We also need understanding. Understanding is the, is the way that discipline and wisdom are applied. We need understanding. We don't just need knowledge, which we're going to get to in a second, and discipline, but we need the understanding of how to apply it, how to do life. We need uh, words of insight. We need something greater than just wisdom. We also need prudence. We don't use this word very much anymore, prudence. It seems kind of old-fashioned, but prudence actually is looking ahead to see an area of danger and knowing to avoid it. Um, the, the young, many times, don't, you know, whenever I think of prudent, I think of that Saturday Night Live skit uh, where the guy was imitating George Bush, wouldn't be prudent. You know that, if we did it, it wouldn't be prudent. Said over and over again, that, that idea of looking to the future, except you don't like my George Bush imitation, or you're too young to even realize it was funny, Dana Carvey doing it. Um, but looking ahead and seeing the danger areas and what to avoid. Listen, if you don't know what's dangerous, you'll stick your hand in a fire over and over again. Knowledge. Again, that gaining of understanding. Discretion. Ooh. You know, we need discretion. We need the ability to know how to respond. And there are really two major aspects of this, if you're thinking about it. I've, I've given you some different words. But the first is developing our character. Attaining wisdom and discipline is really a character issue. And so Proverbs is given for the development of your character. And it's also given for understanding words of insight. To gain wisdom and knowledge to know what it is that you're supposed to do. There's a word in Proverbs that in the Greek, we're going to, um, excuse me, in the Hebrew, that is used over and over again, and it is, um, it is the word peti, P-E-T-I, peti, not like petty, like you're going to act petty, but could be related, I'm not really sure, but it's really the word simple. Uh, it's translated over and over again, time and time again, simple. Some, it's translations say naive. Some other translations say ignorant. Now, nobody in this room wants to think of themselves as simple or naive or ignorant, right? I mean, that's not a characteristic we would like to apply to ourselves. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I were keeping our grandkids who are two and four. They're simple. I mean, in the sense of, and not in a bad way, just they don't know the complexities of life. And we don't expect them to. And what Kathy and I have decided is it's not our job to help them to. It's their parents' job. <laughs> we're, we're, 
we're the, we want to be the fun grandparents. We want to have a good time and help let their parents teach them to complain. That's not really true. We really do want to help guide them. But you would just describe them as young, as immature, as simple. Well, congratulations. That's what we all were. We all, without this knowledge or this understanding, we're simple. And that's what it says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4, for giving prudence to the simple. And you're going to notice, I hope, when you read through these chapters, how often Proverbs refers to the simple, uh, to those who don't know, knowledge and discretion to the young. That's the purpose. It's the purpose of taking... Those who are young, those who are simple, those who are naive, those who just don't know yet, and raising them up in wisdom. Now, can I just say to you that we would hope that as we get older, we get less simple. But in all honesty, some of the simplest people I know are old, in that they never grew in wisdom. You would think just life itself would have hit them hard. But in many ways, as we'll see, it's not quite that simple. Another definition of this idea of simple is the idea that I don't want to get pinned down. I want to keep all my options open. So a simple person, rather than making a disciplined decision, will either let the decision happen to them or just kind of go on in life without making a decision. I want to keep all my options open. Have you heard that before? A prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Why do they keep going? Because they don't want to make a decision. I have to get off this road. I have to go this direction or that direction. Instead, I'm just going to keep plowing forward. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? The whole idea in these chapters and these verses is it's, it's supposed to help us and direct us in the future. All of us have been petty uh, in the Greek sense. All of us have been simple, but we need to grow out of simplicity. And just an example, a biblical example. This past week, I was reading through um, 2 Samuel. I'm doing my uh, read through the Bible, and I'm in 2 Samuel right now, chapters 15 through 17. And it's the story of the rebellion of Absalom against his father David. Do you remember the story? Um, Absalom steals the hearts of the people. His father David has to run into the wilderness with his, with his men. And I'm not going to go into all the details of the story, but there's this puzzling passage right in the middle of the story that always troubled me. And it's the story where David says to uh, one of his wise men, a guy named Hushai, to go back because there's a very wise man who's cast his lot in with Absalom. Ahithophel is his name. And Ahithophel is very wise. And basically David says to Hushai, go back and counteract the wisdom of Ahithophel. Because if you don't, we're sunk. If Absalom listens to Ahithophel, and I don't know how many more times I can say that without stumbling, but if, if Absalom listens to him, we're, we're not going to make it. So Hushai does what he's told. He goes back and 
not too long after, Ahithophel says to Absalom, you need to pursue David now. You need to go after him while the troops are in disarray. He's mourning the loss of the kingdom. He is vulnerable. Now is the time to attack. And if you don't take care of David now, then you're going to be sunk. Hushai, on the other hand, says to Absalom, because his whole job is what? Counter the wisdom of Ahithophel. So Hushai says to Absalom, listen, this is David we're talking about. You know, it's David and his mighty men. They're hiding in the desert. They, they hid there from Saul for a long time. It's like a bear and the cubs. If you provoke the cubs, the bear's going to rise up and you could easily be defeated. Not only that, but you're really popular. People really like you. What happens if you go to defeat David and you suffer losses? Your, your poll numbers could really drop. And you could end up not being as, as popular. It's all risk and no reward. So don't, don't go. Hushai appeals to the vanity and fear of Absalom. You look good. Don't lose your popularity in trying this. This is too risky. And his fear. Oh, what if you lose? Well, Absalom being Absalom is in many ways petty. He's beautiful, handsome, popular. He's stolen the hearts of the people. But in some ways, he's simple in that he could be swayed by vanity and fear. So he says, I think what Hushai sounds, is saying is really good. Now, here's the part of the story I never understood. Ahithophel goes, saddles his donkey, rides home, and hangs himself. And I'm like, well, that's a little strong, don't you think? To kill yourself after just because he didn't take your advice? But in studying Proverbs, I think what my interpretation is now is he knew that Absalom is a king who would not pursue wise counsel and wise advice. And as a result, he saw the writing on the wall, so to speak, the die is cast. I don't know how many more images I can use, but the idea that this is not going to go, we're going to lose. We're going to lose, and when we do, we're all going to be killed anyway. I'm just going to cut it off now. The purpose of Proverbs, written by Absalom's half-brother, who eventually does become king, is how long will you simple ones continue in your simple ways? Meaning you have a choice. Do I stay simple or do I do the things that will lead me to gain wisdom? And that's what the book of Proverbs is here to help us. But how do we do that? What does this path to wisdom look like? If the purpose is for us to gain wisdom and all those other characteristics and to help us move from being simple to being mature, how does this happen? Well, verse 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. This is the theme, really, of, of uh, the book of Proverbs, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 
but fools despise wisdom and discipline. That's why I call this point the path to wisdom. Wisdom isn't something that just happens in an event. It's not like that little bunny foo-foo idea of being bopped on the head and the next thing you know you got wisdom. It's not magic like that. It is a path to gaining wisdom. You know, one of the joys of my life is to be pastor of the same church for 20, almost 30 years. Why? Because I've seen young people born, become not simple, come to know the Lord, and then go out into the world to do great things. You know, if you only pastor like two or three years at a church, you don't get to see guys like Griff go off into the Air Force. Hi, Griff. I heard he's watching today. Shout out to the Air Force today. Um, but others who are going to college, like even my own daughter going to Ethiopia, or others who have moved on into great, great things that God has for them, the destiny that God has for them. But they don't just jump from being a two-year-old to being in the Air Force. There's a path, right? And it is a journey. One of the interesting things is that we live in an age where we don't want a journey. We don't want to dive deep into the things of wisdom. We just want to stay right on top where it's easy and sunny and beautiful rather than going down deep. This uh, article was written in The Atlantic by a guy named Nicholas Carr. It's called, Is Google Making Us Stupid? And here's what he says. As the media theorist Marshall McLuhan pointed out in the 1960s, media are not just passive channels of information. Please listen to this just for a second. What you listen to as far as the media is not a passive channel of information. That's not my thought. That's coming from the 60s. It is influencing how you think. Goes on and, and how much more now that we have. This is 60s. They didn't have 24-hour news. They didn't have CNN, Fox, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the news was like a half hour or you read the paper. That was it. That was your new, but even then they recognized how it was influencing your thought. Let me move on. They supply the stuff of thought, and they also shape the process of thought. And what the net, the internet, seems to be doing is chipping away my capacity for concentration and contemplation. My mind now expects to take in information the way the net distributes it, in a swiftly moving stream of particles. Once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words, now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. That's not how we gain wisdom. By the way, I'd like to point out this article was written 13 years ago. Imagine the idea now with YouTube and Toctic and everything else that's going on, how much time we waste just skimming along the surface of nonsense. I, I, honestly, there have been times where I've gotten on Facebook and I've looked at a video that someone sent me. The next thing I realize is like 10 videos later, I've wasted 15, 20 minutes easily of time. And I'm like, what did I just, what did I just watch? I, have, I don't even have an idea 
well, how I've wasted this much time. There are more ways for you to waste your time than you can imagine. So the path of wisdom is the idea that it's a journey that takes effort and discipline and that we have to be willing to dive deep into this idea of gathering wisdom. Not only that, but wisdom, I believe, on this path, it comes in the context of community. You don't actually do much gaining of wisdom by your lonesome, by yourself. The whole idea of Proverbs, you're going to see over and over and over and over again, is that you come into the community of the wise as a petty, as a simple person. And the wise are around you. And it's like you walk into this circle of Yoda-like wise people. And you've got the biblical wise that you, you come a part of, like Isaiah and Paul and James and the others that you're, you, you listen to as you read and study God's scripture. And then you've got the historically wise, like oh, Luther and Augustine and Calvin and others, even uh, author C.S. Lewis that you, you read of and you, you gain from. But there's also the wise of the community of faith. Like Miriam and TV and Eartha and Cindy James and Brian and Brenda Shoup and Rob and Jenny. I could go on down the list. But if you isolate yourself from community, then there's a good chance all you're doing is reading about, and it's all good, the historical and the biblical, but there's also the how do people live their lives? Because as I said, there's so much about life you can't gain apart from interaction with other people. We need the community of faith. But we live in an age that says it's, it's really all about you. It's all about you and Google. You know, it's, it's all about you doing you, as Scott said last week. Listen, this, this idea of you doing you and being self-centered started almost 400 years ago when uh, Descartes wrote um, the, his discourse on method, cogito ergo sum, I think, I, therefore I am. He, he started evaluating life from a philosophical standpoint, and he, he wanted to know what was real. And so he started discovering all the, the realities around him, looking and saying, what is real? And he came down to the place where the sentence before this says, I doubt, therefore I think. I think, therefore I am. And the only thing he was left with was his doubt. I, I, can't, I can't be sure of anything else other than my doubt. I doubt, well that means I'm thinking. I think, therefore I am. And for the next almost 400 years, we have, we have bought into this self-actualization that says, all reality and all wisdom and all everything begins with me. It starts here and then emanates out. And if you look around at the way we view everything from gender identity to self-actualization to any other, it, 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 I believe, all stems back to Descartes, which says it start, truth starts with self. And the Bible says, no, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where does wisdom start? It starts with God. Listen, your philosophy on how you view life will determine your path to wisdom or, as the author of Proverbs says, the path to destruction. If you begin with yourself, you're going to end up staying simple. But instead, if you begin with the Lord and see that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then we will be on a path together of discovering the wisdom of God. So this path of wisdom, here's what I was trying to get you to see. It is, it's discipline. It is, a, it is a journey. It takes effort. It's done in the context of community. And it starts, always starts, wisdom starts with the Lord. And here, I also want to see us learn this in the context of the days of head, the person of wisdom. Wisdom is personified in Proverbs. Look down at chapter, uh, we're still in chapter 1, verse 20 through 22, says this. Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? Oh, here, we're back to the simple again. But wisdom is seen as a person standing here and crying out, come to me. Listen to me. Why is wisdom personified? Without going into, we're going to see this in the days ahead. I'm, again, I'm not a jet skier today, I guess. But for many of us, we see Wisdom as like whatever science can discover. How many times have I heard this in the last year? We're just going to follow the science. We're going to do what the science says to do. Now, I'm not against science. I'm all for science. But it's gonna, it seems like science is changing every week. Doesn't it? Like this week, you got to do this. Next week, it's doing that. Next week, it's doing that. Why? Because we're discovering more. I'm all for science, but I, again, I think it begins with God. Science isn't going to discover God. We're discovering what God has already done in the created order, in science. But for the Christian, for many of us, we may not react to science, but we have our own term for scientific fact that we're going to discover, and that's called legalism. We're going to make it a law. And so we, we boil down proverbs and truth to either like scientific fact or legalism if you do this then this will happen and maybe we're a little looser and more grace oriented and we'll say it's not really science or a law but it's like a moral principle and what proverbs is is all these moral principles and if you follow these moral principles then your life will turn out good that's what we're saying about it's just another form of legalism Rather than calling it a law, we're just calling it a principle. But it's a moral principle if you follow this. So, for instance, I've heard in the past this verse from Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he will not turn from it. He'll not depart from it. This is in many people's minds. I've heard this preached. I heard it preached at our own church one time. Not by me, by a guest who I didn't ask back. Uh, he preached it in this sense. This is a promise of God. If you train up a child in the way he should go, you are guaranteed to have a godly child. It's 
it's turning Proverbs into law and merely moral principles. Because if you read the Proverbs as the whole, you're going to see there are difficulties with raising children. And there are other Proverbs that say these promises aren't so secure. Dave and I were running yesterday and he, we were talking about this verse and he was saying, who's the perfect father? Run to the father. So in the Old Testament, God the father had a child, the nation of Israel. He did everything he could to train up this child in the way it should go and it still rebelled. I mean, the Bible is full of godly parents who raise up children and they turn out bad. Now, my, my, my prayer is that doesn't happen. But what I'm trying to say is, don't turn Proverbs into law. Don't turn Proverbs into merely moral principles. Proverbs is, is designed to be in the community of grace. And it should all actually lead to the person of Jesus Christ. Proverbs personified is Jesus. It points to Jesus. In the book of it, there's, there's some books of the Bible that aren't actually in the Bible, like they're apocryphal. And there's other wisdom literature that the Jews would read and follow. Uh, one of them is, is called Ecclesiasticus. Sounds pretty familiar to Ecclesiastes, right? It was written in 200 AD by a guy named Sirach. And here's what he says about wisdom. And this is a fairly well-known passage among Jewish scholars. It says this, Come to me all that you need instruction and learn in my school. Why do you admit that you are ignorant and do nothing about it? This is what I say. Put on the yoke and be willing to learn. The opportunity is always near. See for yourselves, I have labored for it and I have found great rest. He's saying, put this yoke of wisdom and learning on you and come to it and find great rest. And then 200 years later, the true prophet of God, Jesus, stands up and says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn how. Not from your own discipline, learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's why Jesus in Luke 11 could stand up in front of the people and say, someone greater than Solomon is here. Who? What's him. He is the word made flesh. He is wisdom personified. When wisdom cries out in the streets, this to me is a prophetic word coming from a wisdom literature pointing toward the coming of the Messiah who will actually one day stand before and say, come to me, all you simple, and I will direct your paths. It says in Colossians, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full, listen to this, Full riches of complete understanding. Anybody want to have the full riches of complete understanding? In order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom 
and knowledge. The purpose of Proverbs is to, to lead us, to move us from being simple to having the wisdom to navigate life, to find things that the Bible doesn't specifically talk about and know how to navigate around them or through them, to make wise decisions, to be fully mature. The path of getting there is by diving deep in the context of community with the fear of the Lord so that ultimately the person of Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit overflows from our lives and we walk together in wisdom. As we set out on this journey together over the next 12 weeks, let's pray that we will be open to receiving the person of Jesus, the power of the Spirit in the context of community for living wise and godly lives. Lord, we pray right now that you would, you would guide us. Lord, as the hymn says, we pray that you would be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I ever with thee and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father and I thy true son. Thou in me dwelling and I with thee one. Lord, may we become filled with your person, filled with your power. Lord, we lack wisdom, so we come and ask. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand and sing together this great hymn, Be Thou My Vision, which encompasses the prayer that we would receive the wisdom of the Lord.